Hello again. Welcome back, everyone. It's episode 43 of Murphy's Law. This is Charles Murphy hanging out, as always, with Charles Villanueva. Uh, we are uh, both of us feeling good and uh, otherwise locked down during this crazy, crazy time. Uh, we hope you guys are all doing well and, and staying home and staying safe. Charles, what's the uh, what's any updates you got for us from over your way? Uh, I think, like with everywhere around the world, we're sort of just in the midst of getting the hang of what's exactly going on in terms of people that are sick. We finally have a better count of how many infected. We are at least currently a little over 2,000 infected cases over the country, which is, you know, for for a densely populated country, that number's kind of like bullshit, but it's getting better day to day. We're getting, we're getting a better idea of how bad it is and how many people are recovering. And, you know, hopefully we get better numbers every day and more hopeful recoveries every day. And yeah, that's that. That's over here. What about you? Um, yesterday was the first day in quite some time that the number of new cases reported in the state of Michigan was down from the previous day. Um, it wasn't down by a lot, but it was down um, by maybe maybe 40 or so. Um, but for the most part, I find like people aren't doing a good job of, of staying home and taking it seriously. We live in northern Michigan and we haven't I haven't left my house in two weeks. My wife has gone into town once for groceries, but we we live out where we live is um sort of back out in the middle of nowhere, but we can see a fairly main road from where we live if we're out walking. And the number of people that we counted over the last couple of days driving north with their campers hooked up, um, like they're going on some kind of fucking vacation has been absolutely unbelievable. And the problem being for people who don't, who aren't from Michigan, who don't, who don't get the whole like up north thing, um, all, all these people are coming from downstate Michigan, where the coronavirus is running rampant. There are three thousand cases in in between Wayne and Oakland counties, which are two of the two largest counties down there, and they're running up here, whether they have it or not, they don't know, and we don't have the kind of uh, hospitals and and medical infrastructure to support very much at all. So these people. Um, are running up here. A, they're bringing the disease with them for sure. It's, I mean, how many of them you don't know, but some, there's certainly some of them that are infected, and they're buying all of our stuff out of our grocery stores. So, oh shit, that's, yep. And it, it's not, it's not good. It's not a good situation. So, um, but we are all four of us here are are safe and healthy as far as we know. Um, it's just a matter of just kind of laying down. I know the the president here told us yesterday that we're going to hang out until April 30th. So um, that's that's fine. I had kind of, in my head, I had targeted uh, the second week of May um, maybe would be when we could start thinking about going back out and about anyway. So um, I think that April 30th might get pushed, but here we are. Everybody's good. Everybody's healthy other than my normal seasonal allergies which are of course terrifying to me right now even though i haven't been around a person for two weeks i keep thinking that i obviously have somehow caught it every time i have a little tickle in my throat from my allergies but yeah so today this episode we don't have any news to talk about do we we don't have nothing broke last week as far as we know other than the again the the same old argument 
the Black Widow VOD streaming thing. It's a. Uh, I mean, if if you talk about it now, we're we're beating a dead horse, so there's no point. So I guess this episode, what we want to talk about is comic events that we could possibly see in the MCU down the road. These aren't. I mean. None of these are scoops whatsoever. Whatever we say here isn't like say, oh shit, I heard this is happening. A disclaimer that that's not the case. We're just talking about. We're gonna go through a list of stuff we could possibly see from our favorite comic events that we read throughout the years and see whether they could sort of fit the current state of the MCU. This is like a buy or sell thing. Do you believe, as you guys are listening to it, um, do you believe that these comic events would fit in the MCU? Um, maybe not immediately, but maybe they need some more setup here, there, but these are, these are ones that Charles and I talked about, I guess, yesterday and again this morning. Um, and we put the list together in alphabetical order so that, um, there is, it's even more clear that we don't, we don't have any inside info here. There's not one of these that we think is more likely than the other. <clears throat> We're just going to go through and, and knock them off and say like, Hey, this is, this was a great event. Where do we think, or do we think it could fit? in the MCU, the, the way that things are shaping up is, and, and only given the facts of what we all know. So yeah, make sure, make sure you're clear on this. This isn't us laying out the next 10 years of the MCU event movies for you. We, we don't at this point, I think we've, we've just established that any forward thinking about what's going on in the MCU, as far as trying to schedule things is really, really silly right now. So we're just trying to have a little fun this morning. Yes. Yeah, so I guess we just start. we should start right now. Right on top of our list, starting with A, is obviously one of the biggest cosmic events in God knows how long. Annihilation. As you, you're the cosmic guy between the two of us. You know more about the cosmic world than I do. I'm not a big fan of the Annihilation comic. I like some of the stuff that branched out from it. I like the way how Guardian spun off of it. But from the, for the most part, it's, it's, a, it's a story that hasn't necessarily resonated with me. I like some of the stuff with Nova and Annihilus. But for you... What do you think about this comic, and how do you see this possibly happening with the current state of, you know, the characters we have in the cosmic side of things? I, I guess for me, Annihilation and then the follow-up Annihilation Conquest were two of the books that brought me back into reading comics after I had kind of gotten away from them with, with like, the birth of my kids and, and kind of, like, getting so busy and wrapped up in, in my career and in their lives and everything. I had kind of put comics down for quite a while. And um, those those two books, and I did not read them while they were out. I had to kind of get collected editions of them. And I think I might have even read one on Marvel Unlimited at some point. Those are the books that I, I can I can point at and saying they brought me back into into comics in a big way. And I agree. Like, I, I, I like I, I really loved the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, that spun out of there. I really loved that Richard Rider Nova series that was going on during that time. Um, but yeah, I just really, I don't know, something about those grabbed me. I think it was probably, um, some of the changes made to some of those existing characters. I, I really liked a lot of the artwork that was, that was in that series. I think we talked on here about how, um, age of apocalypse sort of the artwork sort of put me off from even being able to concentrate on it. And I, I never felt that way as I was going through annihilation. Um, as far as how likely it is, God, you have to think that they want to use Annihilus. I mean, he's just one of the, one of the great villains that they got from, from Fox. So I'd have to think um, they have to find some way to, to establish him and, and to let that happen. And I think one of the cool things about the cosmic side of Marvel is that 
it really is always just one huge catastrophe after another, right? Like it's it's always yeah. something. There's some huge war. There's the the Cree and the Shi'ar war, and then there's the Cree or there's the Cree Skrull war. Then the Cree Shi'ar war. Then the then there's Annihilus and the Skrull. All the Skrull planets being wiped out, and it just these things all lead and feed into one another. I think more than more so than the the kind of continuity that goes on on Earth, the cosmic continuity makes sense. Um, I, I so I would love to see them try to get on track and and have Annihilation maybe be the first of um, those big events, or maybe it follows up what they're doing with with the scrolls. But yeah, I mean, I would I would be uh, very excited to see that one. That would that one's probably one of the top ones I look forward to to seeing. As long as they don't turn Annihilus into like a hillbilly cockroach, at that point, I'd be I'd be out. <laughs> like a Vincent Dionoff here for Man in Black. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's just uh, it's how they get uh, Vincent back into the into MCU. They just bring where do you keep your dad? <laughs> bring him back in. <laughs> that's 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 perfect. Um, speaking of Annihilus, would you mind if you saw Annihilus without any of the Fantastic Four connections at first? Like, would you mind if they introduce him without the F four? They just go straight to the Annihilation story. Is that something that would turn you off or? What do you think? Um, I think realistically, they can only do so much. I think his, I think like it's important at, that they get to the negative zone because it explains Franklin. And, and I, Franklin's one of my low key favorite characters in Marvel Comics. And he's just um, like, he's all over the place in terms of like what he can do and, and when his powers are high and low. And then you'll know like he's going to be around with Galactus at the end of the, at the end of all things. Um, but I really like Franklin, so I guess his it's important, um, at least in my head, that his backstory, his that that they're in the negative zone, and and that influences his DNA and makes him who he is. But I could go without a huge Fantastic Four and a Nihilus setup, as long as you know they they get to the negative zone, they figure it out, that we introduce it. Um, that's fine. I could I could probably. I could probably be okay without it, I guess. I mean, it's it's great the way it works on the comics, but I understand that we don't have all the time in the world to tell every single story yeah. to get us where we're going to go. Could the Eternals possibly fit in a story like this since a lot of the players in the Annihilation story aren't necessarily around in the MCU? Like, could the Eternals make a fine substitute for them? I don't know. Like, I know that people are are up in their in their minds are, are describing Eternals as a cosmic film. I guess I've just never thought of the Eternals as a cosmic property. Like they've always been crazy, powerful people who are on earth. And I understand that they deal with the celestials and, um, and all that, but I've just never, I've never thought of them in my head. Like if you, if you asked me like to, to start listing cosmic properties, I would never say the Eternals. So I don't, I don't know that I'd, that I'd be down with that. I mean, I know we need, so, there's so many characters that we, that we need to be able to, to get in here and maybe guardians of the galaxy volume three does that maybe we inter- get introduced to some of them and to quasar to um to a nova finally or like a real nova instead of whatever fucking uh john c Riley's character is i mean he's pretty cool but it's not it's not what we all think of as the and when we think about the human rocket um yeah so maybe guardians of the galaxy sure. volume three can can do some of that so last one before we move on, the Annihilation story sort of involved Ultron at some point. Um, I'm actually not familiar with this part of the Annihilation story, so 
is there a possibility like what do you what do you think about the possibility of seeing maybe ultron live on in space rather than you know than sort of an earth-based threat like what do you think of ultron sort of being part of this annihilation story i actually i love it i would love to see them somehow find a way to adapt the whole two-parter to do annihilation and then to do conquest there were times when i was reading conquest and some of like the 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 not the main books going through it, but some of the tie-ins, I was like, this is a little bit boring, you know? Um, but there were other times that I was reading Conquest that, that I thought it might even have been a better uh, story than, than Annihilation. And so I could, I could go for that for sure. I would love, and I, that's actually something I've written and talked about before, is, um, is, is Ultron somehow having survived that attack, um, so having survived Age of Ultron and Vision annihilating him here on Earth, but somehow surviving in space in some sort of EM wave pattern that, that can get picked up somewhere. Yeah. Um, I think that would be really, really cool. Anything to get James Spader back, anything to get the fucking scary ass voice back. No. Oh, yeah. He was, he was one of the great castings. I know people had a kind of like scrunch their brows when they said that James Spader was going to be cast as, as the voice of Ultron, but my God, he was so good. So moving on to the next one, we have here Avengers children's crusade. We've known for some time that the seeds for the Young Avengers are being planted here. Obviously, uh, Children's Crusade is a story that happens later on in their stint as the Young Avengers. It happens when the kids finally decide to track down Wanda, who has been, you know, deemed missing since the events of House of M and and Avengers Disassembled. So this is the journey of basically the kids trying to find um, Speed and Wiccan's mom. We know Speed and Wiccan are being introduced in some form maybe a child for maybe in teen for maybe we see them as adults in WandaVision, but we know they're at least coming here. Obviously, if they had to fully incorporate them, they're going to have to explain why they're adults in 2023. Maybe they could redo some of the Mephisto stuff with Wanda and whatnot. But what do you think about the possibility of seeing a story like Children's Crusade here where, they, where the young Avengers go on a big adventure that takes them to... Latvia, maybe they come across Doom, maybe some of them die. What do you think about this big Young Avengers story? Yeah, that, I think you're, you said the, the key word. This is a huge story. This is such a big uh, adventure. I get the feeling that not a lot of people have read it, um, but it's big. Like, it involves Doom, it involves Magneto, it involves Doctor Strange, Iron Man. I mean, it's, it's a huge, huge crossover. So, obviously, um, <clears throat> I don't know if we'd have all those characters involved all at the same time I, I the idea of magneto being um being involved with wanda and pietro at this point seems kind of like that piece might be out the door and i think that might be okay because it is it is such a big thing that it would be hard to fit everybody into it um <clears throat> but this is one that i could see if we if we waited i don't know three five years down the road i could see this being a really big deal with the young avengers and, and i think it's um it's I think it's doable. I think it's going to have to be a, a very different from what it was in the books as far as like who's in it. But I think, I think it's something that's doable. What about you? Yeah, for me, in terms of scale, I could see this as being like sort of the next quote-unquote Avengers story. Not necessarily the, the classic Avengers as we know it, but you know, I could see this sort of premise take place as the big crossover event where you know, these kids have to go on a big journey where they have to defy all odds. They have to fucking, you know, sort of go against, quote-unquote, their elders. Do, they should go against the 
what the Avengers want for them and whatnot. I could see this a big being a big sort of, I guess, in terms of tone and scale and you know, target audience, you could sort of liken it to maybe one of the later Harry Potter stories where it's sort of kid oriented, but at the same time you can get to read some really dark shit where. You know, this could be the story where the kids finally grow up and finally become adults. This is what I'm thinking. So, yeah, I could see this fucking happening. Maybe once we have Doom down the line, they could finally do it. Obviously, the story, whether they're trying to find Wanda is up in the air. Who knows what happens to Wanda and Division? But, you know, I just want to see these kids go on a big, you know, globetrotting journey to find or to help to make themselves grow up. That's what I want to see. Yeah, and, and this might be one where you could even take the name of the of the crossover and and use it and even if you didn't miss some of the some of what made the comic the comic we know that they've done that already and they'll continue to do that um you know civil war was not the same civil war as what we saw in the comics but holding the the ideas the same and, and, and that kind of idea and i love the reference to that you made to harry potter because i think a lot of people um are cutting are not cutting the Young Avengers the appropriate amount of slack. And they're talking about like, oh, this is a kid movie. There won't be a big audience for it. Look how much money all those Harry Potter movies made. There's an audience and yeah. there's an adult audience for movies with strong core characters, If the, even if they are kids and you get to watch them grow up. I think that's a great um, connection that you made there to, to what, you could, what kind of thing you could expect to see with uh, Young Avengers. Also, Young Avengers is a fucking dark story. Like early on in the team, they found out that you know, Patriot wasn't a super soldier, not sure he was born super soldier. He was just a kid who fucking, who was a junkie. And, you know, in, in Children's Crusade, spoiler alert, if you haven't read it, like, one of them actually dies. And, you know, there there are stakes to this kind of story that that, that could actually work. And, yeah, I would 100% liken it to, to the Harry Potter franchise. Um, moving on to the next one. We have what we, we've been sort of speculating for some time. We've been hearing about the possibility of having Norman Osborn in the MCU. And obviously, Norman's big moment in the Marvel Universe outside of Spider-Man's world is Dark Reign, where he finally gets the remains of the, uh, the American government, where he becomes the number one top dog of the security apparatus. He becomes the head of Hammer. He fucking kicks Tony Stark out of, the, out of his position and start his own fucking, you know, cunning plan to take over the world. Now, what do you think of this? Norman Osborn, Dark Cream. Could we see something like this under Norman Osborn, or could you see this happening under maybe a different character like Thunderbolt Ross or maybe even Zemo? Like, what do you think? Well, I think that I have to think a lot of things about this one. The first thing that I, I have to say before I, before I even try to talk about how realistic it is is that this is the version of Norman Osborn that I've grown to love the best. Um, this this version of Norman that comes in after the secret invasion and is just um, like the the dark mirror of Tony Stark and, and just this, but still holds on to some of that uh, absolute insanity that he developed as the Goblin. I love this version of Norman. Yeah. And, I, and I, I would love to see that. I don't know how you get straight to it without some of the other stuff that set it up in the comics. Um, and so maybe you don't get Green Goblin Norman, or maybe you get it after this after this run. But this is the Norman that I would want to see. Yeah. So if if you guys haven't read this version of Norman, if you only know Norman from Spider-Man memes and from Willem Dafoe from the first movie, 
this you gotta read the War and Hell is Thunderbolt story where Norman is trying to trying his best to keep his sanity together as he's overseeing a team of fucking the worst people on earth. And I like how in that comic you sort of see the goblin insanity sort of seep through his his you know his his psyche. Like he's he ends up talking to himself. The fucking team they don't know why he's fucking talking to himself. They don't know why he's laughing on his own. And it's such a fucking great look into what Norman really is under that 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 that, that mask. Um, speaking of, you mentioned you know the possibility of whether does the Goblin part come after? Does it come before? I've always thought that in the MCU, having his fall from grace during this quote unquote Dark Rain story is the perfect time to introduce the Goblin. Like he sort of starts off as the one of the most important government officials in the world then he falls down to a fucking deranged psychopath because he just fucked everything up imagine if donald trump after he becomes president he becomes a fucking straight up supervillain that that's how that's how i'm thinking this could play out and you know obviously we got the thunderbolt sort of happening in, in the show we're getting seeds of that too so there's like there's so much she- seeds to how this could potentially happen can get the dark mirror of the dark avengers basically we've been the thunderbolts are basically the um, the dark amalgamation of the avengers we're getting practically practically that now so i don't see why this couldn't happen in the next five years yeah i i agree i mean it's it's got to be reasonable and again it won't look just like it was in the comics but it's got to be a, a reasonable landing point for some of the stories they're telling right like i mean they're you're, you're looking at a world without Avengers right now. And there's no, there's no hero team out there. You've got Ross maybe trying to put some together here, or maybe, maybe with, maybe it isn't going to be Ross, maybe at the end of um, all this stuff that's going on in Ke- and Falcon and the winter soldier, maybe they do find a way to get Norman to be the guy. I don't know. We don't know what's going on as far as that goes, but it's gotta be one of the more reasonable landing points is, is something along this line where, um, as the as the world's kind of devoid of heroes, they hand the keys over to somebody willing to take over, um, who ends up being a complete lunatic. So moving on to the next one, we have Doom War, the infamous Doom versus Black Panther story. I know we had a story about this a couple of months ago. Could you see this still happening with with what we have in the MCU? Like, how could you see this pan out? A story like this, Doom War, Black Panther versus Doom. What do you think? Well, one of the reasons that that rumor caught fire and and again that was that was just a rumor that wasn't something that was ever you know confirmed by any means but one of the reasons that rumor caught fire is because it does make so much sense to have doom and and t'challa go to war over the resources um that that wakanda has like and and i know that it's a lot of people like man wakanda's just getting hammered one time after another after another well that's that's the reality um oftentimes in the comic books as well like it's never Wakanda doesn't often get to sit around and just have happy times. Like they're always sort of under attack from whether inside or out. Right. I mean, it's never, it's never very easy um, to be the Black Panther in, in, in the comics. So I think, I think this is a, if, you know, if you're going to see Doom make his way into the MCU and make his way in without necessarily getting the same background we've had in the Fantastic Four movie, uh, and, and and getting us like a little bit or movies and getting us a little bit of a different take on them, 
I could I could totally see this working out. And that's one of the things that I liked so much about the rumor when I first heard it was like, man, I could I, I think this would be a huge blockbuster movie if they made it. You're only going to have for any one of these characters, you're only going to have like a decade long run with them. And obviously they're not going to be in every movie during that decade. So what do you what you got to do, I think, if you're if you're the core creative squad over there at Marvel is kind of pick like what parts of the story do we think develop this character the most and what points what parts of his story in the comics are the ones that are going to get us the the best character we can put on the screen and so maybe <clears throat> in doom's case maybe it isn't his relationship to read maybe it's telling the story um his own backstory with his mom and how he you know learned how he learned magic and telling that story the story with him and Mephisto and Doctor Strange, and and maybe that's a a better story, and maybe establishing him as um, an overall threat to the MCU instead of just as a bad guy to the Fantastic Four is a better story. And so you know, whoever's making those decisions, those are the things I have to think about because you just don't have time to fit in every aspect um, when you have a character with you know almost eighty years of background, but you're only going to get ten years worth of mileage out of them in the movies next up we have fear itself one of the uh, i think first major thor crossover storylines for for the more modern version of the marvel universe um fear itself basically the premise is a bunch of hammers fall to earth we later learn that fucking odin's brother call we learned that he's been sort of kept under the shadows because he's a fucking asshole, and now he's back. He's the serpent. And everyone who gets their hand on those hammers becomes like a fucking creature of their own. And so it's a big, very mystical story with, with, with a, a scale unlike any other. It's a, it's a very, very global, worldwide sort of story. And could you see this happen? Like, would you be down for a Thor-centric event? In the MCU, I would be down for a, a, an event with Thor at the center of it. Though I don't know that this is the one for me. I like the character of Call. Um, I liked some of the ideas uh, of some of these characters who they who they gave the hammers to. But like this was one of the events that I, I kind of it missed for me. Um, this one didn't do a ton for me. Yeah, I mean, likewise, leading this back when it came out, I think two thousand nine, two thousand ten. It was cool seeing all those promotional art for for all the Avengers getting their own Asgardian weapon. Seeing that, yeah. like, oh shit, Spider-Man has a weapon, Wolverine has a weapon, Iron Fist has his own thing. That was cool, but when you read the actual event and see which which of the Marvel characters got the evil hammers and who turned bad and whatnot, it was sort of... I, I'd say it fell flat for me. I, I think it fell flat for you as well, but I just like the idea of having a big Thor-centric story. I think, yeah, I think we're we're on the same page here that the cell here is the 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 other the whack stuff from the story, but the buy here is the idea that you know we we could see uh, as a guardian-centric story that that you know that would basically need everyone to convene to defeat one big Thor villain. Yeah, and I and I do like. Like I really did like the the adding Cull into the mix and what we found out about him, and um, like he's a character that stuck around for quite quite a while and in different yeah. ways and and did a bunch of stuff and, but yeah like I and and with Thor, that's one character that that you're you're, you're Thor and Loki both are are able to break that 
10 year mold that we were kind of talking about because that you can literally tell Thor stories forever, right? Like you can, you can go on and tell Thor and Loki stories until Chris Hemsworth is 80 years old because (laughs) Thor and Loki are immortal and they live for a really well, they're as close to immortal as you get. They live for a really, really long time. Um, so yeah, I, I just didn't, this one wasn't one of my favorites. There were some, some cool characters that came out of it as, as there always are, but yeah, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put this one on my list of things that I want to see, um, in the MCU. Next one is the Korvac saga. I personally haven't actually read the story. I know you're a big fan of it. I know you you're you're always crazy for these fucking cosmic stories. This one is sort of deemed as one of the classic cosmic stories back in the day. I know my my dad loved it. You fucking love it. So give us a, an idea of how could this possibly fit? Would you like to see this happen in the MC? What do you think? So I love this story and, I, and I've said it before because like even though it's pretty complex and there's a lot going on at the at the end of the day the question is asked like what what makes someone a hero? What makes someone good? What makes someone bad? And, and it's the perspective um, was Korvac who's the villain of this piece uh, was he really the villain or was he trying to do a good thing and just through the through ways that the, the Avengers deemed evil um, I loved reading it. I've I've read it two or three times, and it was just such a such a crazy wild ride when I was reading it. Especially, I think when I was a kid and read it for the first time, um, and then reading it again, you know, as I got older and kind of seeing there's more to it than that. This is one that I love, but I almost feel like I just want to love it on the page, and I think I would sell on this one as far as it being something in the MCU. I don't know if I could if I could see it actually being worked out the way that it worked out on the on the pages i don't think that it it would fit not and i think it's probably because of the way the mcu has been developed and and grown over the years i don't think this kind of story necessarily fits the mold Mm, interesting because back when avengers 2 hadn't been announced i could have sworn that they were doing corvex saga for for Avengers too, because they had the they announced the Guardians movie, and we know Thanos yeah. was showed up, so we knew that they were at some point going to space. So I legit thought Avengers two was going to be about the Korvac saga, and then a week later they announced Ultron. There was definitely a time, especially um, when they were starting to figure out more about Guardians, and we knew that Karina was going to be that was like a character they cast. I was like, oh my god, that's the whole thing, like that that's part of that story, that character and completely irrelevant character in the movies. Um, but yeah, at one point, maybe that, that could have been, but I think it's just taken, um, it's, it's, it's just almost way too serious of a story to show up in the MCU. I know people are, are, are aware of like how much comedy goes into all, every MCU movie, even in something like Endgame, there was, there were quite a few funny moments. Right. And I just, this is, I don't know where the levity comes in this story that it would that it would be um, one to show up. I, I don't know. I, I so like I said, I love it, but I don't know that this is something that would work in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as it is now. Up next is uh, we're gonna jump all the way back to the alphabet. We're gonna go to S. So we're gonna start with Secret Invasion, the big scroll story that many people are sort of expecting to happen at some point because we've heard that. Um, there was, there's a show being developed for Secret Invasion and Captain Marvel 2 would be sort of based on this. We have the Skrulls already in the 
MC, we know that Nick Fury is friends with some of them, and he, and he's asking them to infiltrate some of the some of the places that he can't necessarily infiltrate. So we sort of have that set up. Secret Invasion is this something you'd like to see? Would you want to see a full-on scroll invasion onto Earth? Would you want to see some of the Avengers revealed to actually be scroll? What do you think? Um, I think Secret Invasion's coming, but I've I've thought for a long time that it's going to come with a twist that is going to make it very different than what it was in the comics. Um, so I, I, we know that there are other scrolls out there and we know for sure in the comic books, one, one defining characteristic of the scrolls as a culture, as a race, as a people is that there are, there, there are definitely many sects to them. They're not all the same. There are, are deeply religious scrolls and there are, are ones who have completely different beliefs. And, um, so I could see, there being that like deeply religious sect of scrolls that we find that we that we meet in the in the comics in the secret invasion comics um and and really causing havoc but i i can't get out of my head the fact that like some of these scrolls appear like they're just going to be on our side right like that's that seems like talos yeah. and his and his group of people are going to be um on the side of of nick fury and captain marvel and and the avengers at some point and I think what's been interesting here is where in the comics, the Skrulls have always been um, painted as as villains and the Kree have always sort of been um, in the middle ground. We've got a totally different idea here. The Kree seem like the assholes now, um, yeah. especially in light of, of Captain Marvel. And I know that I know that when I read the Kree and Skrull War, what I realized, what I took away from it was like, OK, there's bad guys on both sides of this. It just depends whose whose side you're looking at. Right. Like if you're the Kree. Yeah. You're the hero. If you're the scroll, you're the hero. Well, the the movie sort of started out that way, but then it really the the Kree just have have been painted in a real negative light. So I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if somehow the twist here is, and we know that they said there's Kree sleeper cells on the Earth. Um, that maybe it isn't so much about the Avengers being impersonated, but it is about the Kree trying to seed the planet with the the pink skinned Kree and and trying to somehow take over. Um, I just feel like there's some kind of twist there that's going to really be different than what we saw in the comics. I mean, I'm fucking 100% on board with that idea. I didn't, even, I, didn't, I didn't even realize the idea of some of the Skrulls would actually be on Team Earth. They would actually fight alongside the Avengers against sort of the, possibly the evil religious sect of Skrulls. I didn't actually think of that until now, but that would, that would definitely paint a very interesting dynamic for a movie like this. It's not just a black and white, you know, these guys are fucking evil, we gotta save their thing. You know, it, 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 that having good scrolls fight alongside the Avengers would, you know, it would bring a lot of interesting questions whether should we even trust these guys? Are we fucking, you know, are they gonna betray us later? Or are they just fucking doing this to fuck us, fuck us later? It's very interesting. I also like that Kree twist. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing sort of, you know, the secret invasion isn't so much the Skrull invading Earth, but more of the Kree having this grand plan to just fucking take over the planet. Like, we, 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 we've heard that Captain Marvel sort of takes place during the Kree-Skrull war, but we don't necessarily see a full-on war between the two of them. It's just them going on missions against each other. I would yeah. definitely love to see a full-on, flat-out Lord of the Rings type big battle between the two races with sort of earth caught in between 
Earth, the Avengers, some of the good scrubs, maybe some of the good creamy beans. They have some of them too. And I would just fucking man, that's a that's a killer idea. Yeah, that could be because I know a lot of people didn't love Secret Invasion the way it worked and played out. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely one that could be modified and wouldn't hurt a lot of hardcore fans' feelings. I don't think that the the number of people are out there as there are, as there are with some of these other stories that are like, no, it has to be just the way it was out of the comics, <clears throat> because I think that well, the idea was very cool. I think that some of the storytelling parts didn't hit for everybody. So I, I think this would be one that they could easily mess around with. Yeah, I mean, easily the worst part of the Secret Invasion comic is seeing that, like, the only big player that turned out to be a scroll was, like, Hank Pym and Spider-Woman. And back then, they weren't even, like, the biggest characters on the roster. Like, people were expecting, oh, shit, what if Iron Man is the, is the scroll? So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard because you don't, know, you don't want to take away some of the character development that happened you know, on screen. So you, you can't necessarily make Falcon a scroll after all the shit they've been through. Obviously, you could sort of hand wave it off. Oh, no, he became a scroll at the beginning of the movie. He wasn't a scroll in Falcon of the Winter Soldier. If you do that, that would sort of cheapen sort of, oh, then might as well make everyone scrolls now because they're not the characters we fell in love with. So who gives a fuck? So it's a tough balancing act that I hope they sort of manage to not fall to. So who knows? I like your fucking idea. I think that's like the best idea for a Secret Invasion movie in depth I've heard yet. So I want to see that. Um, moving on to the next one. We have here Secret War. Not Secret Wars. Secret War. Basically that short comic where Nick Fury decides to fucking invade that area covertly with the help of some with of a hand-picked team of fucking black ops avengers obviously the political sort of angle in the mc was very popular captain america the winter soldier is probably one of the best probably the best mcu movie to date because of its tone because of its unique tone could you see something like this happen in the mcu i mean i could see them sort of I could see Nick Fury wage a war not necessarily against Latveria, but maybe a different sort of country. Maybe this could be a five-episode Disney series where, you know, we see a completely cool team of, of, of covert agents. Maybe one, some of them are Avengers. Maybe some of them are like New Warriors, Secret Warriors, rather. What do you think? Could you, could you see this happening on screen? Would this sort of premise interest you? This, to me, you you nailed what I was about to say. This, to me, would be a great um, event series on Disney+. Plus. This would be something that you could make really, really cool. Um, I don't think it is... I don't think you can tell the story in full in a movie. I think this would be something that would be better unfolding um, like over the course of five or six episodes, like you said. I think that would be cool. And um, like you said, the the whole idea of everything being so political in um, the MCU already, this, in the same sense that Korvac Saga doesn't fit into the MCU, this does. This definitely fits into it, and it would be, um, it would be something cool for, to, have, to have Sam Jackson get his own series in a way where this was kind of like a, a Nick Fury-based series and let Sam have, have the spotlight for, um, 
a five or six episode show. I think that would be really cool. So yeah, I'd be all for this. Yeah, I, I, I just like the idea of fucking. Now that they're mentioning it, I didn't. You know, a Sam Jackson centric show. Everyone wants every character to have a show now, but I mean, Sam Jackson is sort of like the perfect character because he's been around for so long. Shit, not of them just talking about it. I wouldn't mind seeing this as maybe as a as a period piece. Maybe a story set in the 80s where Nick Fury is still on the field. He, he forms his own team. You know, he could. this is something you could sort of skew so much. You could pretty much create a, a totally unique version of Secret War. Maybe it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to have all the modern characters. You may hear maybe we could get some of the characters from the 80s, some, some characters from the classic Grunewald run. You could make an, an amalgamation of the Howling Commandos for Nick Fury. No, I, I like that idea a lot. I like the idea of of even setting it at a different time and, and bringing in some characters that we might not see otherwise. We could at least get a glimpse of them. I think that's a, I think this is a great idea. I think we need to get Kevin on the phone immediately. Um, well, yeah. we know he listens anyway, but still, we should, we should right. call him and, and see if he'll take a meeting with us. Well, this one is the, possibly the biggest story here on the on our list secret wars obviously there are two versions of secret wars here i don't know what you want to see personally i'd I'd much prefer to see the latest version of secret wars the one with battle world the one with all the crazy doom stuff secret wars is this something you'd like to see what version you want to see um yeah secret wars is uh, almost a must for me um and I'd much, much rather see, we've talked about this before, I'd much, much rather see Hickman's, because to me, almost everything Hickman writes is cinematic in nature. It's like he's already making a movie, so it shouldn't be that hard to develop. And I think with the idea of the multiverse opening up, um, whenever we do end up seeing Doctor Strange 2, that this is this is the outcome of that. I, I really think like that in opening up the multiverse, you end up in a place like, Hickman's Secret Wars. Well, I mean, fucking, just reading some of the panels there, the way, you know, there's so many scenes in Secret Wars that are, like you said, very, very cinematic. The way fucking Dooms just rips out Thanos' skeleton from him. The way, <laughs> the, the, the way the whole thing sort of culminates, the way they sort of merge the 616 and the Ultimate Universe, the way Miles just fucking manages to fit in in this world, it's so fucking perfect. I mean, obviously, the, the Russos have talked about interest, their interest in producing this down the line. But I mean, it's such a fucking massive story that I think it would be like thrice the size of Endgame to fully pull off. Like, you can't fucking do this in a single movie. You can't do this in a three-hour movie. You need at least maybe two or three movies to, to fully flesh out this massive interdimensional intergalactic cosmic story with doom in the center yep and i think if i think that the one of the cool features of comic books that we've yet to really see show up in the mcu but i i think is coming is when they would do like the line wide event things where they you know captain marvel and or like four or five different comic books would be telling the story of the event. So like Operation Galactic Storm was one of those where it was like happening in a couple different um, in a couple different titles. And it's happened in in a, in a lot of different events where they take over four or five, six titles to tell the story in addition to telling 
the story through the main books, right? So you could you could see like a Secret Wars movie um, be the culmination, the last movie, but you could have maybe like two or three movies before it that are telling bits of that story in that in that essence of a line wide event sort of idea that yeah. the comics have done in the past. I think that's that's true, and I think that this this movie can happen a lot sooner than people think. Like you'll hear people online all the time say, "Oh, it's impossible for this to happen for another decade." I don't think that's true at all. I think it can happen much quicker than that. It's just right now, any, any sort of timeline speculation that needs to be put on pause again, because we don't know um, what's going on at all here with, with filming and production. So, but I, I mean, it's, I don't think it needs a decade long to build up to it, but I, like you said, I do think it requires <clears throat> more than one movie to tell the story appropriately. Next up, we have Siege, that big combination of Norman's fucking fall from grace. Norman basically decides to fucking invade Asgard. The Asgard floating over Oklahoma and fucking just topple down Thor's kingdom. I mean, obviously, we sort of have the seeds for this. We have new Asgard in Norway. We don't have Norman, obviously, but, you know, I like the idea of Asgard's place on earth being put into question like who the fuck invited these people here did thor ask permission from from the un to invite a series of you know mystical people just to live here like it brings up a lot of interesting questions of how this could work i mean obviously if i had to pick a surrogate for norman then you got fucking thunderbolt ross i mean this is the kind of shit he would exactly do so Oh yeah, this Ross would eat this whole thing up. Yeah, for me, Siege with Ross, this is my this is my fucking jam. I'd love to see this. Yep, I and and I, literally since the second I realized in Avengers Endgame that there was an Asgard on Earth, I believed that they were setting this up. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I totally would love to see this. Um, if this is like the the big event finally where William Hurt's character gets to be more than just a, a little the the cameos that he's done in the movies and I, I guess they've been a little bit more than cameos but he hasn't had a major role i would love to see him finally say he's had enough of all this bullshit and try to take a team in and take out new asgard i think that would be that uh, would be awesome you talk about like a movie where you could really you know kind of support some kind of big battle um and we've talked about maybe this could be a part of the story in in thor love and thunder is maybe this happening but what might be even cooler is is part of thor love and thunder is um thor brings back more people to to live in new asgard and then that kind of tips over tips the scales towards towards war but i think this could be that if you were to make a film about siege this could be your big like lord of the rings type battle where you could have like a a, an epic 25 30 40 minute battle on screen of just some crazy crazy ass stuff going on and just the idea of having fucking refugees, immigrants living in in, in, in in this sort of story, it's so very thematic, it's very topical, it's very relevant. And, yeah. you know, it's going to hit perfectly in the zeitgeist. Another idea I just had, um, in place of Ross, maybe you could fucking, because you have Christian Bale and we all want him to play Dario Agar, you can have Dario Agar be the bad guy who wants to fucking remove New Asgard from this planet. I know that Dario Agar is a new character, and I know that a lot of people that maybe even people who listen to our podcast don't know him, but he's a great character, and he is just like a pure evil corporate douchebag. Um, 
and he belongs in the MCU. He's a he's a perfect character for the MCU. So I don't know in what way he finally fits in, but I would love to see him. Here we move on to a, a rather character centric, character specific rather story. Um, Spider Man. The other I know you haven't actually read this, but I brought it up to you because what I, what I find very interesting about this event was spread over like I think fifteen issues. Over across a bunch of Spider-Man titles back in 2005-2004. It was basically a reimagining of Spider-Man, um, rather retcon, not imagining. It's a retconning of Spider-Man's origin story. Instead of him just being sort of bitten by a scientific radioactive spider, this one sort of adds a mystical element to Peter's origin. Obviously, in, in the present day of Marvel Comics, they sort of ignored all the stuff that they did here, but I just find it interesting, you know, the idea that Spider-Man wasn't necessarily bitten out of coincidence. It, it was something that was sort of pre-planned, predestined by, you know, by a, a mystical power out there. And, you know, in the, over the course of this story, Peter develops a, a, a lot of different powers. He find, he gets stingers, he, he gets fucking night vision, he gets all kinds of pretty fucking crazy powers. Now, why... I included this. I, I included this in this list because I wanted to know your thoughts about. You know, we haven't necessarily seen you know Tom Holland's Spider-Man's origin story here in the MCU, and for a good reason because they, they don't want to fucking retread shit we've already seen. But they decide to add this new angle, maybe um, maybe a little bit of mysticism to how he got his powers and why he got these powers. Is that something would you, that would interest you in our version of Spider-Man? Like, <clears throat> you know, he has obviously interactions with Doctor Strange, and everyone's everyone wants to see him interact with Doctor Strange at some point. So, obviously, if this happens, then you got Peter dealing with all, all sorts of fucking mystical problems with himself. Does this interest you? Is this where like uh, Morlun and all those guys came in? Is this their yeah. like their introduction? In- yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that that stuff when I like because I read Spider Verse and all that, and those guys were at least interesting to me. The whole the whole like animal totem thing was at least an interesting take. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Like I, I guess in my head I have a, a way that I'd like um, things to go with with Peter um, if they continue on past these three movies, but I don't think this would interfere with that. Really, I mean, it would. It would certainly it would certainly diverge from anything that came before, right? Like uh, there there would be no way people would be like, "Oh, Spider Man Four was that that one where the guy dressed as an emo freak?" Like people wouldn't wouldn't be able to confuse it. I, I think you would be taking a very different, um, very very different route and bringing some very different villains into it. So yeah, I don't know. I think I think I'd be I'd be down to at least hear what it would look like. Yeah, I I, I have not read it at all, so I'll. It seems I might have some free time on my hands, so uh, so I can do that now. I can go ahead and read through that. Yeah, you should definitely check it out. I mean, for one thing, it just fucking changes the status quo for Spider-Man. You know, it basically, you know, like I said, it retcons something that that is so classically ingrained with the character in pop culture that, you know, it just... I am drawn to it just because of how ballsy it is. That's so mm-hmm. fucking batshit insane that, that they fucking tried to do this. And I wouldn't necessarily be mad if they bad for this into MCU. Take that risk, you know, make it fucking totally, you know, different. And like you said, 
people are gonna go, oh shit, the Spider-Man where he got mystical powers, that, that's basically the pitch for for a story like this. And yeah, it's fucking batshit crazy. Um, yeah, that... we're, we're down to our last sort of item here on our list. And this one is probably the most recent one uh, on this list. Lord of the Realms, basically the culmination of Jason Aaron's long-ass Thoron, another Thor-centric story, but here Malik is sort of the big bad, you know, this sort of, like most, like some of the events here, this is sort of a worldwide spanning event. Um, obviously, you know, Malik is into like a dud, we, we love the actor, we love the character. Obviously, if we, we get fucking War of the Realms, we gotta have Malik here. Um, with, with Jane Thor sort of on the horizon, it's about, we're going to see her sort of come to fruition in the MCU. I mean, this, this, this event is sort of like the perfect vehicle to introduce her, rather to showcase who she is as a character in a major event. Um, that, that, that's me. I don't know about you, but, you know, what do you think about War of the Realms happening in the MCU? I loved War of the Realms. Um, and if, like, when we talked earlier, you asked, about a Thor-centric story that I would like to see in the MCU, this would be it if it was that that was going to be the event. Um, <clears throat> Malekith in in War of the Realms, in in the books leading up to War of the Realms, like the character was just absolutely brilliant. Like probably one of my favorite takes on Malekith that I've ever read, and I have read not every Thor comic ever, but I've read a lot of Thor comic books, and I thought what Aaron was doing with Malekith was pretty great, um, dating all the way back to his you know, a partnership with Dario Agar and all the things that were going on, um, the, the idea of the Black Bifrost, all that stuff, and just how ruthless and, and arrogant and terrible of a character Malekith really, really was. This was one of the this was one of the most well-rounded villains in an event that we've had in a long yeah. time because Aaron took the time to to build that up over years worth of writing, and I thought it was awesome. So yeah, if there was some way to to do that. I would love it because I felt like Malekith's character was totally wasted in, in the dark world. Unfortunately, it seemed like it was starting off. It was going to be okay. And then it just, the character just never got to be who he should be. And I just don't think it, they cast a great actor to play him. And I just don't think they gave that actor enough leeway to do anything. I think that the character was very limited in the way it was written. And you didn't get to see that, that crazy unhinged character that you should have, um, I mean, to some extent, you could write, you could write the, you could write Malekith as the as the way Heath Ledger's Joker was played in in the Dark Knight, right? Like it's the same sort yeah. of guy, and I think that there was just a missed opportunity there. So, if there was going to be some crazy way you could redeem the character, bring him back here, and um, whether it be through the multiverse or resurrection or God knows what, I would I would be all for it if we could get just a, a, a that different take, and 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 it was a really good. Um, story because you got to see so many of the different parts of Asgardian mythology play out that we haven't really gotten a lot of in the movie so far. What I like about the the Aaron Ron, you mentioned, you know, him sort of giving Malik a, a fucking amazing backstory. There's the, I think there's one issue in in his massive Thoron that does into why Malik is the way he is and it's actually very fucking tragic and depressing and you know, you, you sort of feel for what this dark elf goes through his life and you know you sort of understand 
why he's the way he is, why he's fucking, why he has snapped against, you know, why he's fucking, he's, why he's ruthless. Why? Because his, yeah. his mom, his family weren't treated well. He fucking experienced ruthlessness. So, you know, it sort of translates perfectly into this psychotic, insane character. And like you said, it's, it's one of the best character development arcs in God knows how long for a, yeah. for a B-list villain for Thor. Well, and, and when you think about the, all the great stuff that happened in Jason Aaron's run, it, I think it'd be easy to overlook what he did with Malekith as one of those high points. But I, to me, it totally is like, he just, he, I don't want to say he reinvented the character, but he brought the character to a prominence that maybe he never even had before. Um, and with some really great writing. And, and like you said, you, you get a little bit of a, of a glimpse as to why he was the way he was. And then you just, but for the most part, you just get this bastard of a character that is just hell bent on destroying everything. And he was, it was an awesome. It was a great. I mean, what did he? How many episodes or issues did the guy have? I mean, where he was the the key villain in this whole thing. It was great. All right, guys, that'll do it for us. Um, that was that was fun. This is the kind of stuff that we're going to continue to try to come up with as uh, as we go. I know for my myself is one of one of my brainstorming points here for future shows until we get back on track. I've been trying to pick out some like maybe underread. Um, some underread comic book series that, that maybe people haven't hit at all. And, and maybe that you could dig into during quarantine time. So maybe next week, Charles and I can, can put some of those together. Not things that are, were super popular or that everyone knows about, but like, I, I know I've said it on Twitter a couple of times, um, like, like all red and Milligan's ecstatic run. That is just a, just a super fun read. So we'll, we'll continue. I, I've been reading a shitload. Like yesterday, I think I read about 70 issues of comics. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I didn't I didn't do anything other than than uh, read, eat, shower and work out. Um, but I just I read until I fell asleep um, and I came up with some some really nice ones yesterday, too. So I think that's something maybe we can uh, if not next week, we can probably put together for one down the road. And and uh, I guess if you guys have anything you'd really like to hear us talk about that would take up uh, the vast majority of a show, please let us know. Feel feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. So, all right. Well, that does it for us, guys. Um, continue staying safe, stay healthy, stay home, and uh, and be a hero, right? Like, be you don't have to go out and and join the uh, try try a bunch of times to join the military like Steve Rogers to be a hero. You can be a hero <laughs> by sitting your ass at home. So please please keep helping out out there and stay healthy and stay safe. So this is uh, signing off. This is Charles Murphy. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Charles Murphy. You can find me on Twitter at CFS Vision Lab. Right, bye, guys. Bye.